Hello, everybody, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of Angler's Account. I'm your host, Brenna McCubrey, and in this episode, I sat down with Cam from Cape Cod Fly. We talked a lot about this underlying sense of community of fly fishing on Cape Cod and how it's kind of hard to find. But I'll let Cam do the talking, and you'll hear his mission behind creating this brand. After hearing what this guy is all about, you're going to want to go down and meet him for yourself at On The Water Outfitters on September 20th from 5 to 7 p.m. Now, there's going to be a few different vendors, from cider to beer to quahogs and a whole bunch of shopping. Join Cape Cod Fly at Sip and Shop on September 20th from 5 to 7 at On The Water Outfitters. Now, before we jump into episode three, I want to give a big thank you to Douglas Outdoors for sponsoring this podcast. Douglas Outdoors is a family-oriented company dedicated to providing anglers with superior strength, accuracy, and sensitivity through their line of award-winning fly rods, casting rods, and float rods. Douglas Outdoors was formed with the true angler in mind by teaming up with industry leaders in design and engineering to develop fishing equipment with a fresh approach to the market. You can check them out at douglasoutdoors.com and follow them on Instagram. If you're into fly fishing, you can follow them on Instagram at douglasoutdoors, And if you're more of a conventional fisherman, check him out at Douglas underscore fishing underscore rods. So Cam, thank you so much for agreeing to come over and chat about your brand, Cape Cod Fly, uh, how you got into it, and what made you start it. I really want to hear a lot about that and your contribution to Habitat for Humanity. I saw you did some work with them through your Instagram account. Um, Before we get into all of that, I want to hear about where you grew up and did you always fly fish? So I grew up in Harwich until we were 16 when we moved to Orleans. Um, And growing up on the Cape, fishing is like in your blood. You know, it's the Cape. It's named after a codfish. And my father was a commercial fishing boat mechanic. So my brother and I would always go around with him to different fish piers and harbors and stuff like that. And we would get to meet, you know, guys who had been fishing all their lives, and we would get to go out on boats with them and being around the water. My dad would always have a couple of spinning rods with him to keep us entertained while he was actually working. So for the majority of my childhood and my teenage years and stuff like that, I was spin fishing. Um, never really got super into it until high school um, when I had I met a buddy who was equally as interested into it. So we kind of got into it together. Um, and I basically kind of casually spin fish gear fished um throughout high school and then in 2008 when i graduated high school we were actually on our way to umass amherst to go do it like a campus visit um and we stopped at bass pro on the way and i bought my first fly rod and it was a wicked cheap like little you know bass pro house brand outfit um and i kind of dabbled in that for a couple of years and learned casting very poorly for a long time <laughs> um and kind of tried to figure out trout fishing out in Western Mass, which is not easy. Um, and I kind of gave up on it for a little while just because I transferred out of UMass. I moved back to the Cape um, and I kind of got involved in other stuff. And then probably 2009 or 2010, um, 
I went out like just on a random afternoon to go fly fishing on a whim to see if I could catch any strikers or anything like that. Down here? Yeah, down here in Orleans, um, in Nosset Inlet. And I must have picked a pretty good day because I caught like a dozen <laughs> fish or something like wow. that. And from that point, I was like, hmm, this is pretty effective and I can actually figure out how to do this. Uh, I might be able to have a lot of fun with it. So I, the following year, I started school at Mass Maritime and that being right on the water. It's like, oh, wow, that's perfect. It's super conducive to fishing as much as possible. So I had a rod with me at all times and I would get out and fish around the school here and there with a couple of friends. Um, and then after I graduated... I kind of went back to spin fishing because I came, became enamored with like the canal and big right. fish and stuff like that. So I spin fished for like two years, throwing plugs and jigs in the canal, basically dedicated to that, um, probably 2013 and 14. And then at the end of 2014, um, I started fly fishing off the beaches in Sandwich. And I just started having more and more success with it the more I did it. And I realized that I was spin fishing less and less. And then eventually, I think in summer of like, 2015 I realized I hadn't touched my spinning gear at all for like a year so at that point on I was basically exclusively fly fishing that's what I've been doing ever since so it's always been salt water for you then yeah definitely now, for whatever reason fresh water just never did it for me. never stuck what brings you to the salt water I mean of course growing up on Cape Cod um you kind of have to love it yeah, and definitely. it's if you come across somebody who doesn't love the salt water or is more of a lake person but grew up here um, they're a little bit of an outcast. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> they're definitely an outlier. For some reason, it was always just, there's an aspect of difficulty to it, wherein, you know, freshwater, you're confined to a definite body of water that you can see, you can touch, you can feel the entire body of water. It's tangible. It's got a shoreline. Um, and you don't have to deal with tides and right. that sort of thing. So the challenge associated with saltwater fishing and learning a spot learning how the tidal flows affect things, um, learning how times of year and, and migratory species affect your ability to catch fish and all that stuff definitely drew me to it. But I think it was just kind of, there's something that it's hard to describe about it, but it, it kind of like touched on something a little bit tropical too. Um, you know, I'd always been interested in like fishing down in the Florida Keys and stuff like that. Oh yeah, um, that's never a really dream. to do much of it, but <laughs> I'd always been intrigued by that side of saltwater fishing and, and so kind of focusing on saltwater up here allowed me to bring a little bit of that into yeah, what we do. Yeah, definitely. So you touched upon, um, of course, you need to learn the tides, yeah. the moon phases. It's really a whole science that goes behind definitely. good fishing. So you said you grew up doing a lot of spin fishing, a lot of conventional, um, using conventional rods. How did you, did you teach yourself all of this about fly fishing? How did you really get into it? Yeah, I did. And, you know, looking back on it, I kind of regret that a little bit, especially from a casting standpoint, because there's such a steep learning curve associated with fly casting that you can develop bad habits early on that stick with sure. you. And then you can have a really hard time breaking them later on. So in hindsight, I wish I had taken a lesson right at the onset, um, but I didn't. I watched a lot of YouTube videos. Um, I did a lot of casting in fields. And I'll add that that's a really good way to learn to cast because if you're trying to learn to cast in the water, you're going to be focused on catching fish more right. so than the mechanics of casting. So being able to separate the two and just focus on your casting stroke, where do I move my arm, how do I hold my hand, that sort of thing, it really helps to make it easier. Um, but a lot of the, you know, the more, I guess, environmental aspects of it translated over from spin fishing. Um, just, it's really, for me, it's a matter of, Kind of trying to drill into a few key elements of a few key spots and not trying to have too broad of a focus so i focused 
when I first started fly fishing on fishing two spots um, in Cape Cod Bay almost exclusively. And I really learned those spots. I learned how they fished at different tides. I learned how the water moved. I learned how they were affected by different weather patterns and moon phases and stuff like that. And that really helps you to kind of narrow your focus and, and hone your abilities as far as actually being able to catch fish. Because um, it's easy to get overwhelmed with the quantity of spots that we have around here. Definitely. And just getting out at all different times of day and everything like that. It, you got to learn it. And I think it's definitely, I don't want to say easier, but it might be a little bit easier for someone who's just getting into fishing to to pick up a conventional rod. Yeah, um, sure. Especially around here, all the little nooks and crannies of our shoreline. Mm-hmm. Um, but for someone who wants to get into fly fishing, and it's something that I've dabbled with, and it's a big time commitment Yeah, absolutely. Um, to learn it all. But what would you say is your best piece of advice for beginners, people who are looking to fish the Cape? Where would you suggest them to go that might be a little more commerce and give them the space that they need? I would say, so the biggest piece of advice I can give to people looking to get into fly fishing is don't be overwhelmed with the amount of information out there. You can go online and you can look at forums and stuff like that. People will be talking about thousands of different fly patterns, thousands of different ways to fish them, but fishing the Cape, you know, striped bass, they're not an overly difficult species to catch. If you can focus on maybe two or three fly patterns, and I'll throw out clousers and deceivers just because those are two of the most widely known and you know, for good reason, they're two of the most effective patterns. Right. So focus on a couple of fly patterns, fish those exclusively in different colors and different little subtle variant variations like the thickness of the hair, the weight of the fly, that sort of thing. And then confine yourself to a couple of spots that are easily accessible for you that have good casting room. And a great place to start is, you know, marsh creeks and stuff like that, especially in the shoulder seasons in spring and early fall, because schoolies will congregate in there and it's easy to find a spot where, you know, there's a choke point where bait might be pushed into a really narrow channel and the fish are going to hold right there and attack the bait and stuff like that. And it's also easy to find moving water, which I think mm-hmm. is one of the biggest things in, when finding fish is finding moving water. Definitely. And you just mentioned um, the fly patterns that you're using. Now I see on your sweatshirt you're wearing today and then on your hat, it's very consistent with the flies that it seems like you're tying yeah. too. Um, so those are things that you did yourself? Yeah, um, I started tying, I think probably back in 2012, just kind of as a side thing to A, try to offset a little bit of the cost of flies because it's kind of ridiculous to be paying, you know, five or six bucks. You can create with, you know, probably a dollar or so worth of materials from an overall bulk amount. Um, But it was also fun to try to create patterns and use what's out there and use what's been established and kind of put your own personal touch on it. And see if it's effective. Um, so I do pretty much all of my own tying now with the exception of a couple different types of patterns that I just have never really dabbled in. But it's it helps you to learn how different flies fish if you tie them yourself as well because you can understand what went into a pattern. Um, you know, did I tie this one thick with a lot of hair or feathers or whatever? Did I tie it thin so it's a little bit more sparse and a little more, more translucent in the water? And you can fine-tune your patterns to match the bait that's around too a lot easier than having to go to a fly shop and find something that you hope is close definitely so speaking of fly shops um i know we have a few on the cape and just getting into fly fishing i'm now starting to be aware of the community of it um would you say there is a sense of community of fly fishing on the cape or is it kind of an individual sport um so it's a little bit of both i think there is 
definitely an underlying sense of community on the Cape for fly fishermen, but it's hard to find. Mm-hmm. Um, there are groups like the, I think they're called the Cape Cod Fly Rodders that operate out of Katuit. You know, they don't oh, have okay. a website. They don't have a Facebook page or anything like that. You kind of got to know somebody who's in it to find them and figure out where they're at. Um, and there are a couple of fly shops around, like the Black Eel in Dennis, Goose Hummock in Orleans does a little bit of fly tackle and stuff like that, but there's really nothing dedicated to the sport. Um, so in that regard, a lot of guys who are probably getting into fly fishing find themselves alone. You meet other guys on the beach too, which is always great because everybody that I've met out there fly fishing is super friendly, super helpful. They're always willing to chat and help you out, especially if you're a new guy, but it's hard to find the community, but it is there. And so that brings me to a good point is with your Cape Cod fly account, your Instagram Cape Cod fly is something that I saw. Now I'm trying to think how I even came up, came about it. It may have just come up on my discovery page, mm-hmm. um, and it was during the 4th of July, and it was that contest, yep. and I was super gun ho about fly fishing at that moment. Um, I had just gotten back from an outfitter. It was so much fun, and I was so hooked, and I still want to get back out there. But what was your mission behind creating that account? So I'm trying to take that underlying community that's there that nobody can seem to find and kind of bring it forward a little bit and make it a little more accessible for people who are maybe just getting into the sport or people who've been into it for a while but want to find other like-minded people to fish with or other information on fly fishing locally because it it always seems to be an afterthought in most tackle shops, fishing reports, websites, stuff like that. We get a little bit of space in a magazine, maybe a column or two, um, a little mention in a fishing report, but it's never really been a focused priority for a lot of fishing organizations on the Cape. So that's what I'm hoping to bring forward is just creating that sense of community and making the information a little more accessible. Yeah, no, that's, I think that's awesome. And it's definitely, when I saw that, I was like, okay, there must be a community of this on Cape Cod where I come back from West Virginia for going on this trip and I'll be able to come home to something um, similar where there's like that shared camaraderie of it. Yeah. So did you have like an aha moment and you're just like, this needs to happen? Or was it kind of a gradual thing of creating this brand? It was a gradual thing. So I used to go to a place called Fishing the Cape and that was in West Harwich and that was basically a dedicated fly fishing shop. Um, they also sold like Orvis clothing and stuff like that. Oh, cool. um, but they closed down and sold all of their gear and kind of their namesake in a way to Goose Hummock. And Goose Hummock took most of that stuff and I think put it in a storage locker somewhere. I know they integrated some of it into their Orleans shop, um, but it wasn't to the extent that Fishing the Cape had. So I had always thought about that, how that shop had closed and kind of left a gap in the fly fishing community on the Cape. And I had always kind of thought about creating something that would bring people together and hopefully get people out with one another, bring experienced people together with new people, let them teach each other things. Um, and I had come up with this logo, which is basically a silhouette of a, a bait fish fly. And I had drawn it out and I had thought about it and I thought to myself, you know, it'd be really cool to open a fly shop one day. And I kind of took a step back from that and looked at it with a more bit more of a global perspective and thought, well, let's start with creating kind of a grassroots community. So over a period of like, I don't know, maybe a year, I just thought about this thing over and over and over again. And it was just constantly nagging at my brain. So finally, <laughs> finally I was like, all right, well, I'm going to put something out there. And so I created the Instagram page um, and kind of threw it out there to the world to see what would happen. Yeah. And see what kind of went from there. Definitely. I think that's awesome. And I did see you've really um, launched yourself into the community. I think really well, you were at um, on the water yep. in Falmouth 
tell me about that kind of day. What did you guys, I saw there was a lot of casting. Um, what was that collaboration like with them? So, um, you know, On the Water is great because they're a local brand. I know the owner of the magazine, the manager, and some of the other employees there. And they really focus on fishing on the Cape. And so it's pretty awesome to have that presence here um, rather than just going out to a you know, bookstore or whatever and finding saltwater sportsmen, magazines like that, which are great, but they don't focus exclusively on fishing around here. So um, I had known the On the Water guys for a couple of years from a guy I used to work for, Landry Sea Fabrication down here in Marston's Mills. And I had met um, the general manager through some work that we did on their boat that the company owns. So through that, I had gotten involved with the Striper Fest, and I volunteer there every year, so you can always find me pouring beer at the end of September (laughs) at Striper Fest. Um, But I had also gotten in touch with their retail manager over at the shop that they opened up this past year. Um, And she reached out to me, and we set up this event, which was... um, It was myself, and it was Cisco Brewers and J.R. Brody's Roadhouse and Tavern in Falmouth. And so it was... Kind of just a uh, almost an introductory conversational event for people to learn a little bit more about fly fishing, try out fly casting on the lawn there, um, take a look at a few fly patterns, fly tying that sort of thing, have some food, try some beer, and just have a good time. So it was really great. I met a lot of good people, and I showed a lot of people kind of the rudimentary basics of fly casting, explained a little bit about fly fishing on the Cape, and you know what it's like and what we're all about, and. I think it was a good time, and we're actually going to be doing another one um, on September 20th oh, great. at On the Water Outfitters. Again, it's going to be from 5 to 7, and it'll be kind of the same thing. Um, I'll have a bunch of rods. I'll have a couple of fly tying vices and materials. People can try their hand at tying a couple of flies, cast a couple of rods on the lawn, and we can talk fishing, have some food, have some drink, and it's a good time. That's awesome. So now that you've created this brand, you've created this um, sense of community and being able to launch it right into a big name um, magazine and something like On the Water Outfitters where they're so locally known here, but they're really known throughout New England. You're having this vision for the past year and then it's really come to life. How does that feel in now that's kind of come reality? It's really cool to see it actually become something tangible and to have people know you know our name and know what we're trying to do and be interested in that be supportive of it um you know the whole community has been super supportive as far as uh being interested in it and being willing to learn and being willing to hear what i have to say and so it's kind of a a launching point for hopefully next steps um but at this point it's it's been really great so far and i'm just glad that everyone's been super supportive and i think as we continue to grow and get the name out there and hopefully teach more people about it and kind of develop this strong community we'll be able to get some events together um get some you know fishing days casting demos at the beach stuff like that out there and and hopefully continue to just bring people together and teach them about it and i definitely can see i'm now visioning that for the summer having cape cod fly casting or something out on sandy neck that's awesome um so i wanted to get into in addition with the collaborations you do with on the water outfitters and you're doing another one with them that's great i really hope i can get down there for that it's a good time um so you saw you saw out a kind of a need in our community um with habitat for humanity yeah tell me a little bit about that what was your connection with that so my wife's grandfather uh he was the president of habitat for cape cod for a lot of years um he did a lot of work with land procurement um zoning board planning home design, that sort of thing. So seeing his contribution to the organization, 
and hearing from him about what they do, I kind of got involved through volunteer days. We started out doing, you know, family volunteer days and that sort of thing. Um, and then I became a little bit more involved when they started doing a build out here in Marston's Mills off of River Road. And just seeing what they do and seeing the real passion that these people have for helping others and seeing the joy that it brings to families on the Cape who might not otherwise be able to afford a home, um, it it really makes you feel good. And I think helping other people like that is probably one of the best feeling things that you can do. Um, I think it's probably true what they say that the volunteers get more out of it in a sense than the homeowners do. Um, so I wanted to try to do something to help out the organization a little bit. Um, and it's a little bit easier to do that when you can have something tangible to give to people um, as a giveaway. So we held a contest to give away a box of flies tied by me, um, a t-shirt and a bunch of stickers. Uh, we ran it basically for the first half of the summer. Um, and it went really well. We got some good exposure through a, another, uh, blog called Moldy Chum. Um, they're based out of Washington and they focus on basically all kinds of fly fishing throughout the country and throughout the world. Oh, wow. Um, the guy's name is Brian Bennett. He's a really good guy. You should definitely check him out too. Um, and he helped with some exposure and then, uh, I think it was really great because it, it's a community within the Cape Cod community and we're kind of trying to be the same thing and bring people together, which is what Habitat for Humanity does. So we were able to bring them some benefit as well. And I think um, that's something that a lot of the local businesses here are trying to do. That's something I love about Cape Cod yeah. and makes me want to come back with a family in the future to get involved in the local businesses. Mm-hmm. So are these kind of efforts that you hope to really tie Cape Cod Fly with and just have a continuous thing for the future of your brand? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, Cape Cod's a pretty close-knit community, especially as far as locally born and bred people go. Um, so you know, we try to help each other out and definitely helping out those who are less fortunate living in a resort community. It can be really difficult to just get your feet on the ground and have a stable place to anchor yourself and your family. And I think having an affordable home is probably the first step in that, um, having that home base. It allows you to leverage that stability for, you know, academic success for your kids, career success for an adult, all that sort of stuff. So I would definitely say that we're going to be involved with Habitat for Humanity for the foreseeable future. And we'll definitely try to do some more um, events to benefit them going forward, especially next year as we continue to kind of build out the brand and offer a little bit more. We'll probably be doing something um, to try to give away a guided trip, uh, whether it be from a boat or shorebound. Oh, cool. So that's something to look forward to. What else do you see um, growing with Cape Cod Flyer? You mentioned um, doing a lot of events and the tours. Um, how do you see yourself growing in that way? So I definitely want to start getting people out there on the water, um, even if it's just as a kind of a learning event to get people to hopefully show up at a beach and try out casting on the water, maybe get them into a fish if they're around. Um, <laughs> and no, they're not so much around right now. Yeah, it it can be tough, especially for a new person. Um, but in addition to that, you know, we're going to start thinking about doing guided trips in the future. And, you know, beyond that, um, it's really more of a pipe dream right now. But the ultimate goal would be to open up a fly shop somewhere on the Cape that would really be dedicated to fly fishing and fill that niche that's missing within the fishing community here. Do you do much um, fly fishing from a boat or do you mainly wade out and do it from the shore? What's kind um, of your, your favorite? I am definitely 
more into shore fishing than boat fishing. Mostly, I think it's because that's all I've usually done. Uh, I have a Boston whaler that I'll take outside of Barnesville Harbor um, off of Wakoi Bay for Albies, um, Buzzards Bay, stuff like that. But the thing I like about shore fishing is, and this sounds kind of counterintuitive, but you're limited in where you can go and what you can do. So it forces you to really hone in on how the spot is fishing, how the water is moving, and learn the spot a lot more than the boat mentality, which can be a little bit overwhelming with the ability to just run around all over the place and chase fish. So I think that fishing from shore is a more developed skill as far as learning a spot and knowing how spot fishes and fishing from a boat to an extent for a beginner who doesn't fish from a boat very often, it can be seen more as fishing a school of fish. Right. Um, you know, a lot of guys will say boat fish don't count in the fly fishing community, especially some of the more hardcore guys. And I don't necessarily agree with that, but I do think that it's a little bit more satisfying to catch a fish from the beach because you've really put the time in and learned a spot. So you bring up a good point. People learning to fly fish and then also being on a boat, that can be definitely difficult because, I mean, I know for me, being on a boat, I want to zip around, go from place to place. And uh, being on the water, you love feeling the wind in your face and going your that accessibility to go around. But you bring up a good point. You're limited when you're casting from the shore that you really need to hone in on what it is you can and can't do in that specific area. Mm-hmm. So I did see, um, I went out last night and drove out to St. Neck and I saw your sticker on the trash tree. Nice. Nice. <laughs> I think it was around trail four, yep. three or four. Um, but it was just so choppy. It was the five o'clock, it was dead low, tide was coming in, and it really, it wasn't even worth it at yeah. some points. Now, is there a time where um, there's like a perfect condition for fly fishing, or do you really try to get out there whenever you can? I personally try to get out there whenever I can just because it helps to expose yourself to all of the different elements, um, especially weather-wise. If you can fish in a, a north or a northeast wind that's right in your face, you can learn how to get a fly out there, even in that headwind. Um, and then, you you know, you fish in a south or a southwest wind, and the wind basically carries your fly 100 feet out there and helps you out. Um, but it it's definitely beneficial as far as your own versatility to get out there in all kinds of conditions. I There's not really anything short of, like, a full-blown hurricane-force wind right. that will keep me in. <laughs> um, but it it's definitely hard sometimes with a, a day like yesterday, for sure. It the wind pushes a lot of water into bays and inlets and it kicks up the surf. The turbidity in the water churns up and you can barely get a fly through the water without hanging up on weed or something like that. But even on days like that, I'll look for a spot that has moving water because pretty much as far as, you know, the elements go, I look at current and moving water as the number one factor when finding fish. If you can find moving water, chances are there's going to be bait that's getting funneled out from a marsh or an inlet or something like that. And there'll probably be a couple of fish holding there. Sure. I definitely agree. And now when you're going and you want to go out as many times as you can, the weather really doesn't affect you. And that's awesome because it's the only way you're going to get better is just repetition and keep going out there. You do like to use the same consistent flies um, from Mm -hmm. what it seems. Now, do you change those things with the weather? Um, If it's really choppy out there, I'll use a weighted fly to try to keep it down off the surface, which does two things. It keeps it out of kind of the waves and allows you to give a little bit more natural presentation, but it also helps you to stay tight to the fly when you're stripping it in. And that helps you hook up more because a lot of times 
when you're fishing a surface fly in the waves, you got this undulation to the waves, crests and troughs, and that puts a lot of slack into your line. So if a fish hits, you can't set the hook immediately and you probably lose it. Um, the other thing I'll do as far as weather conditions go is I'll fish a sinking line or an intermediate line instead of a floating line. And that does the same thing. It helps you cut down below the choppy surface of the water. And a lot of times if it's really churned up out there, there'll be a lot of weeds and filamented weed and stuff like that on the surface of the water. You can get down below that and present a fly without it fouling up every two seconds. Now, hearing all of this, it's definitely making me want to get back out there. You should do it. Um, So, and at this point, I'm sure a lot of the listeners who will be hearing this podcast want to get into fly fishing. Because I know, at least for me, when I hear something new, um, I definitely want to at least try it. Mm -hmm. So, what is your best piece of advice for a beginner where there's really nowhere to go? Should they go to you? Should they go to maybe Goose Hummock? Where should they kind of navigate into this community? Um. I would say you you can definitely reach out to me at any time through the Instagram page. And then we're also going to be doing kind of an email newsletter thing. So right now, if anybody has questions or wants to know anything like that, they can always email us at capecodfly at gmail.com. And then as we grow that kind of mailing list, we're going to be sending out newsletters with tips and advice for beginners, upcoming events, that sort of thing. But the biggest piece of advice I would give to a newcomer is um, hone your casting skills don't be too overwhelmed with the amount of places to fish and the amount of patterns, fly patterns to fish. And then reading books is huge. There are a lot of older but really good books out there that can help you learn how to fish different spots, how to fish different tides, how to present different flies. Um, a couple of books that I would recommend specifically, there's one called Inshore Fly Fishing by Lou Tabery. That's a really good book. And then Stripers and Streamers by Ray Bondaroo. That's an little bit easier of a read it's a little bit less technical it reads a lot like a story um in a lot of chapters but those books helped me when i was starting out just to learn the basics that people have been doing for decades you know fly fishing in salt water and fly fishing for stripers is not new even though it's certainly surging in popularity lately guys have been doing it for basically as long as they've been fishing i'm pretty sure ernest hemingway fly fished for tarpon down in the keys for a long time um and The fishery is definitely evolving in terms of um, climate change and environmental conditions and warming water temperatures and stuff like that. My grandfather gave that to us um, when he passed away. He was a um, navigator on a battleship. Oh, nice. So that was. So you guys have nautical roots for sure. Yes, my grandfather actually went to Mass Maritime. Oh, cool. um, When it was in Lewis Bay, when it was the old town hall. Hyannis Nautical School. Yeah, is that what it was called? Yeah, the horror stories he tells me. He told me about um, like their drills and stuff they did in Lewis Bay. And he's like, "There's bodies." A whole different world back then. Yeah. So, but anyways, for beginners, I mean, it's definitely, um, I think, great that you're doing this for the community and for um, people getting into fly fishing. So, sorry for the uh, bell interruption. But that's no problem. <laughs> um, you know what I was saying was that. The underlying technique doesn't really change from year to year, decade to decade, generation to generation. Uh, Stripers are still going to feed on the same kind of baits. The tide's still going to flow back and forth every six hours and 20 minutes or whatever, just like it always has. So you can use those fundamental fly patterns and fundamental techniques to get your feet wet, literally, (laughs) (laughs) and get started. Um, You know, don't be overwhelmed with kind of the trendy side of it, Mm -hmm. I'll say. There are a lot of really cool and really interesting fly patterns out there with new and crazy synthetic materials and stuff like that. Um, and they probably work, but 
it's really easy to just stick with the basics and have a lot of success that way. Definitely. Well, Kim, thank you so much for stopping by. Yeah, no problem. Um, Thanks for having me. Yeah, I really appreciate you coming here and sharing with us your story. And I hope to see you on September 20th. Yeah, That'll definitely. be awesome. Come down to On Water Outfitters. Um, we'll be there from 5 to 7. There's going to be a hard cider company and I believe an oyster company out there too. So. Ooh, I love oysters. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. Thank you.